All right. Good morning, everybody. That doesn't get you excited. I mean, you got an extra hour of sleep. We got Star Wars and church. What is happening to the world, right? Oh, we are so glad that you are here. Any Star Wars fans out there, by the way? Awesome. Good crowd of you. Awesome. So I know you, Star Wars fans, you're Lutherans. So if you're in a movie theater and the movie says the force, may the force be with you, what do you respond? And also with you. So you got it. There you go. That's how you know how many Lutherans are at the Star Wars movie if you go to the theater, right? I don't know about you guys, but man, when I, when I watch that a clip, a trailer, or I watch a Star Wars film, there's like the nine-year-old little boy in me just comes out. I don't know about you, but the little kid comes out and we remember those old movies that maybe came out when we were children. And I remember, you know, my, my sword fights with sticks in the backyard with my older brother pretending we had lightsabers and, and all of that. And, but I, I think it's bigger than that. I, I think it's bigger than just nostalgia. I think it's bitter, b- bigger than just some cool sci-fi movie. It's this new set of films, particularly, if you're keeping track at home, this is number seven. And now this new one coming out in December is number eight. I think it's bigger than that. There's a reason that when this trailer just came out, it like exploded social media, just exploded online. And that's just the teaser, folks. That's just the trailer. That's not even the actual movie. This new set of films centers around kind of the main character named Ray, And she's sort of this unassuming teenage girl that, um, you know, as we're headed into the Christmas season, there's a big story about an unassuming, unlikely teenage girl that plays a big role in the story. I don't know if that rings a bell at all about anything else, but they're tapping into something. I think, I don't know if you heard it, but right in the middle of that trailer, she says this, right, right in the middle of that clip, that line, she says, I need someone to show me my place in all of this. I need someone to show me my place in all of this. This is deeper than just the big blockbuster movie of Christmas. These folks in Hollywood know something about us and our souls and what we long for and our psyches and what we long to hear. She says this character that I'll know that she's kind of insecure and she struggles with her identity, which I'm sure none of us can relate with. She knows that she's a part of something bigger and she wants to know what is my place in this bigger story around us? And I think that's the question that, that kind of grips the millions of people that'll be drawn to the film. Because if you think about it, every single one of us here this morning, we're looking for a place to belong, aren't we? Whether you realize it, whether you have verbalized that or not, we're all looking for a place to belong. We're all looking for a bigger purpose, a reason to get up in the morning. I can't tell you how many conversations I have with people that are just kind of surviving. You know that song, like, everybody's working for the weekend, right? Like, that's it? You know what I mean? Like, the people that wrote that song, they know what's going on in the average human heart. But my question is, really, that's what you're working for? That's what motivates you these days? That's the bigger purpose that's driving your life is to get to the weekend? But what happens when Monday morning rolls around? You need something bigger. That's what Ray is searching for. I think that's what we're all searching for. And when it comes to your life of faith, I think that a lot of you have found that as a part of the community here, as a part of the local church. A lot of you have plugged in and you started serving and you found that bigger purpose and you've, you know you need to belong. And so you've taken that step of courage and you've joined uh, one of our life groups here and you found a place to plug in. You've you used your, your gifts and your skills and your experiences as a way to be a part of the body of Christ. But if we're honest, I'm guessing as we continue to grow as a church, there's a lot of you that still feel alone. There's some of you that still feel isolated. There's some of you that still feel lonely in the midst 
of all of this. And so when we're in need of direction and hope in our life, I think a really helpful question to ask to get in the habit of is, what does the Bible say about that? Not just like, because the Bible told me so, you know, that kind of idea, but like God has some really practical ways of understanding the bigger story that we're a part of. The Bible really is applicable. Did you know that? It's not just a bunch of random stories that are sitting in some dusty book on your shelf that you pull out once in a while, or maybe you crack it open on Sunday morning, right? If on Sunday morning you go to open your Bible and it goes, you should probably read your Bible a little bit more. I'm just telling you that right now, right? It's really useful. You should read it. And I'm not just telling you that as your pastor. I'm telling you that as a brother in Christ, that God has something to say. And so we turn to God's word. And if you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is where we're going to start out today. If you have your phone or your Bible app, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. What does the Bible say about that? If you're new to the Bible, uh, Corinthians is going to be in the way back of your Bible, the last fourth of it, really short book, one of the letters that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church at Corinth, one of the churches that he helped plant. And so I'll just give you a second to find that. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is where we're going to start today. Verse 12, Paul writes this, just as a body, though one has many parts, but all of its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. And then I'm going to skip down to verse 18. In fact, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. This is just as a side. Notice what he's saying. There's no accidents in the church. You know, we say that it's no accident you're here. Paul's saying the same thing. When you're a part of a body, there's no accidents. You're not here by mistake today. I want you to know that, right? Some of you are like, well, this is the one week I'm going to church because I actually get to sleep in, right? No, you're not here by accident. And then let's read verse 19 together up on the screen. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts but one body. Many parts but one body. So what the Apostle Paul is saying here is when you're a part of a local church, not just here at Hope, but a part of God's church, not only do you find a place to belong, that's a basic human need that we all have. You can't shake that one off. You find a place to belong because you're a part of the body, you're essential, but you also hear me say this this morning, you have a irreplaceable role to play. You have a vital role to play. Paul's saying, like, just as the, your hand can't say, I'm, I'm not going to you know, go today. I don't, I don't really want to go to church today. I'm just not going to come, right? I, I need you, right? Your foot, you know, it falls asleep. And you ever foot fall asleep? And like, I need you, right? Your ear, your elbow, whatever it is, can't just say, I'm not really important. I'm not really that needed. And Paul says the same thing as when you're a part of a local church. That person sitting next to you this morning, they're another part of the body, right? They, may, they might be the wrist to your hand. They might be the shoulder to your arm. Like, we're essential. We're connected to each other, right? I'm guessing that if you really got to know each other, you'd find ways that you connect and things that you have in common. Turn to your neighbor right now, just humor me, look at him and say, you know what? We might be connected. Just tell him that right now. We might be connected. Absolutely. You are needed. You are needed. The truth is, you and I, we live in a world that because we're in the technology age, the digital age, the digital revolution, and all the information that we would ever need is at our fingertips. And because of that, I think that we are more connected than we've ever been. Have you noticed that? And at the same time, I believe this. We struggle connecting more than ever. The technology is great. Online, internet, social media is great for all of that. But the next time you go out to eat at a restaurant, I want you to look around you and see how many people 
are looking each other in the eyes and practicing acting, listening skills and where one person's talking and the other person's actually listening and responding to them and how many people are doing this, right? We don't know how to connect anymore. We struggle with that and I think we're all looking for a place to belong. It's, it's almost like every single one of us is, a, is like a puzzle piece, like a, a piece of a puzzle and as chance would have it, there's one on every single one of your chairs this morning. So you might be sitting on it or grab one next to you, but hold that out. It's like every single one of us is a puzzle piece and in our identity, a puzzle piece was designed to connect. A puzzle piece was designed not to be alone and yet in our day and age, I will tell you this, there's this false reality out there that it is cool to be disconnected. That it is cool to say, well, what if something better comes along? Because I don't really want to commit to anything because then I won't be able to know what's coming next. You know what takes a lot of guts? You know what takes a lot of courage? Find your place in the puzzle and connect and plug in. But what a lot of us do, especially during our Christian lives, we say, I know God is putting this body together, this picture called the church, and I know that I fit somewhere in that puzzle, but what a lot of us do is we spend most of our Christian lives floating like this, and we kind of, or we pop in and we pop out, but I'm not really going to put my roots down anywhere, I'm not really going to connect, but whatever it is, and I just kind of float around, and that's maybe, maybe why the number one question I get asked when I meet with people is, I just don't feel connected, and I go, where are you out here? They're not here. They're not finding their connection point. They're floating out here. You were designed to be connected to others, whether that's through serving and belonging and being a group and and all those things. You can't float your whole life. You know that? You're always going to be looking for a place to belong. And I just wonder, for some of you, if you've ever asked yourself the question, what does God want me to do? What's his plan for my life? What's his purpose for my life? I think kind of a lie that the world says, t- tells us is, well, just look within and you'll find the answer. I think that's cheap. I don't think we're called to navel gaze and look within. I think we're called to look out and beyond ourselves. And maybe, maybe it's in connecting to a larger community or to a group and seeing the needs of others and looking beyond yourself by serving and finding a place to belong, we actually get our own need to belong met. In our desire to serve others and to be a part of a mission that's bigger than us, we actually find the reason that we were created. Not by looking in, but by looking out. We find that in community. You can't do that in isolation, right? We could have the world's biggest church mixer here today and give you an hour with your puzzle piece and stand up. I'm guessing that you could find another puzzle piece that you connect with, right? You connect to somebody else. You belong to somebody else. And so as we kind of go into these next few weeks, this is the vision that Paul is telling us of the local church, and he's giving us some answers. And that's really our goal during these next few weeks as we kind of re-enter into this commitment campaign called Building Hope Together that we started about four years ago. So I'm really, really, really excited this morning for several reasons. Number one, uh, at our last service, we had this place was packed out. So turn to your neighbor and say, you came to the right service today. Tell them that right now. Uh, there's room for you. Um, last service, I preached the whole sermon from right here because that way I could see the people that were wrapped around 
uh, over there. So you pick the right service to come to. I, uh, those of you that have sat in the back, I know you love hearing the toilets flush in the bathroom in your left ear back there. But uh, praise God for more seats open uh, that you can invite people to. I'm excited for that. I'm excited uh, because we're launching into this campaign. And I'm really excited because of that right there, folks. Let me tell you. Okay. I don't... Somehow... Somehow these little munchkins that always make my PowerPoint for me, they just slip that in for me. It's just really convenient. I don't know about you guys, but the Hawkeyes take down the evil, heathen Ohio State Buckeyes. <laughs> Further proof that Iowa City is God's country. And I just, I don't know, when you look at that, doesn't just a little tear come to your eye? There's a lot of visions out there of what heaven's going to be like, folks. I'm just telling you, we're all going to be dressed in black and gold. Singing Amazing Grace for eternity. That's it right there. Amazing Grace, Iowa fight song, back and forth forever. That's a picture, a picture of heaven. So I'm excited about that, but I won't rub that in too much. But, um, but I will tell you this. I'm really excited today because we're kicking off this Building Hope Together campaign once again. And I want you to know two things. If you don't hear me say anything else as we start, it's these two truths. You belong and you are needed. You belong, and you are needed. Some of you might say, oh, you know, hope's growing, this big church, and there's lots of people here, and we're coming and going, and the parking lot's full, and all this kind of stuff. And you're saying, well, well, there may not be room for you physically necessarily every time you come here, but there is always room for you in God's family. There is always room for you. So you keep inviting, and we'll just leave the results up to God. Okay? Does that sound good? There's always room for you. You are a part of a much bigger puzzle that God is making here at Hope Des Moines. You are needed, whether this is your first time, which I know it is for some of you, or you've been coming for a long time, for many years. And I want to challenge you as we go into this campaign, these next three weeks for the month of November, I want to challenge you to come back every week, because this is a series that one of these messages is going to build right into the next. So where we leave off today, we're going to pick up next week, and it's all going to lead to November 18th and 19th, which is we're going to have kind of a special Thanksgiving offering right before, uh, right before Thanksgiving, where all of us are going to come and give our Thanksgiving offering to God, whether that's your treasure, whether that's your finances, or your time, or your talent that we'll talk about in a little bit. But because some of you are newer to our community, and because all of us need a reminder of who we are, like it's important to hear Grandpa sit down, you know, at Thanksgiving or Christmas and tell the stories of your family, right? You are a part of a family here at Hope. You're a part of something much bigger than yourself, and a part of that family tree and that branch is Hope Des Moines and where we've come from to where we are now. And to understand who we are, we need to understand where we came from. And so I just want to tell you a little bit about that this morning and because Star Wars is on my mind. I will start that story by saying a long, long time ago in a gym not too far away, uh, there was a small group of committed hopesters back in actually 2006 and 2007 that were dreaming and visioning about what it would look like to have a church in the city. And so in June of 2008, uh, we launched, and the pastor was about 12 years old, as you can see up there. I don't know who that guy is, but he had a lot more hair than he does now. Um, but he's up there, and we were rocking. I mean, we were like, we're going to do this. We're going to plant a church in the city. We got everything you need to have an awesome urban congregation called Lutheran Church of Hope at the time, City Branch. Now, some of you have those old City Branch t-shirts. You know what I'm talking about? Some of you, a few of you have those, right? Those are in your local, like, vintage store. You know, I mean, those are worth a lot, so hang on to those. But there we were. We had everything that you needed. I mean, we had an awesome little worship band there with our speakers, and we had 
uh, donut holes would really draw people in. And folks, we had 60-pound maroon padded wooden chairs that I just, you know, <laughs> that had hair stuck in them. I mean, it was just awesome. Um, that's gross. Um, but we did, and there was like 70 of us, and, and, and we were awesome, and it was everything we need to reach the city. <laughs> or so we thought. Until we realized, you know, after doing it the first week, oh, we, we have to do this again next week too. Like, that was a lot of work. Because everything we had fit in that trailer that you see on the side of our, our building today. Everything we had fit in there. And, and so we realized, though, that maybe what people are looking for in the city is not a show once a week. That maybe church is not about just having a worship service for an hour once a week. Maybe it's about bringing hope to people that are in need of it. Because we realized that within just a few mile radius of where we were at Hubble Elementary at that time, and, and this is the same is true for our neighborhood today, there are a lot of people that don't have a home, that don't have adequate housing. And you know with our community here, this is a little bit easier to share at this service with you, whereas last service, there's a third of the people that were here this morning, I can't, I can't tell you how many conversations I have with people that are part of our breakfast club ministry that I say, hey, where are you, I pray for them, or, and I just say, where are you staying these days? Where are you living? And they just go, I don't know. <laughs> and yet, for so many of those folks that don't have a home and still don't have a home, they are serving here. They are here every single week. A lot of them have joined as members of the church, and I believe that the kind of church that God's love, God loves is a church where a lot of the people don't have a home, but they have a home here. Amen? Like That's a big part of why we exist, that we could be a church where everybody's welcome. And that is a reality still today, and yet even back then in 2008, there was people, there's dozens of, of refugee families around us that had been displaced because of uh, war in their families and their home countries, people wondering where they're going to get their next meal, there's many in recovery that need healing. And here's the one that we often forget about, about why we exist. So many people, so many people in the greater metro area that have just had a terrible experience with church. And maybe that's some of you. And I, I will tell you this, nothing gets me boiling. Nothing gets under my skin more than hearing stories of people that have just been burned, that have had a bad experience with the church. It's almost like they, like, I had my peace and I wanted to come and play my part and, and get connected and belong, but they were judged and they just got burned. And like, I don't want to have anything to do with that again. And so we just made a commitment. They said, what, what would it look like for us to be a church for people that don't like church? <laughs> what would it look like to be a church where anybody was welcome, whether they slept under a bridge last night or they're making six or seven figures? What would it look like to be a place where we could all come together, regardless of where you live or what you make or whether you live in the city or the suburb or what team you cheer for, or what political party you're affiliated with, and that we could be a part of something bigger than that that's actually going to last forever than the divisions that come between us. And so we set out to do that, and for the next five years, we just... We literally hit the streets and we listened to the neighborhood and we asked the schools and we asked the businesses, what do you need? And we just poured our lives for the next five years into that city in every way that we could. And it wasn't always pretty, I will tell you that. There were some difficult days and I don't tell you this to be like the grandpa that says, I had to, back in my day, we had to walk uphill to school both ways, you know, or that's not why I'm telling you. I'm telling you this because this is a part of where we came from. Like I said, everything we had fit in that trailer once upon a time and we had people that would help unload that uh, every single week, and, uh, and one week, I was in like the middle of January, it was like negative 17 
100 degrees outside, and it was freezing. And of the 12 of us that came to church uh, that weekend, that came to worship, we needed to unload the trailer. And so we had a lock on that trailer, and we went out, and it was frozen shut. Like, we, all of our chairs, our speakers, the communion stuff, the kid stuff, everything was in that trailer. I'm like, we can't get it open. So our volunteers had to go in and boil water and dump it on the lock to get it open. We finally, and then we formed an assembly line down the, down the path, the ramp down to the gym there at Hubble, and we just handed stuff down. And lesson number one about starting a church, everybody's needed. Say that together with me. Everybody's needed, right? Everybody's needed. I mean, in those days, I tell you that because, like, if you want your own chair, set it up yourself. You know, like, if you want some coffee, make it yourself. No, we didn't say that. But, but it's that idea that you have to take ownership of that. Church isn't something you consume. Church is something you are. Church is something you contribute. And that was such a vivid picture for us at the beginning. But then as we continued to grow, people would come up and they would always ask, so Pastor John, when are you going to build a church? And my kind of smarty reply was, and true reply was, we have. It's been built in people's basements and apartments, and in coffee shops, and in restaurants, and honestly, one time I led a men's Bible study in the produce aisle at Dolls here on Ingersoll, because that's where we were at the time. Lesson number two, church isn't a building. Church is you. And we learned that the first five or six years as well, but in 2013, it got to the point where we realized the building does not make the church, but the building can help carry the mission of the church forward. Hear me say that. Does that make sense? The building does not make the church. We were a church long before we were here. But the building helps us move the mission of the church forward. And so we realized, and they got this picture of Jesus. You know, when he came to earth, Jesus didn't come in and say, wow, what a mess, I'm out. You know, like he came and he engaged. He didn't come and just kind of float in for a little bit and say, oh, I'm gonna do a service project and then I'm gonna leave. Jesus dwelled in obscurity for 30 years you ever think about that? The Gospels, we don't get a lot between baby Jesus and now here's Jesus ready for mission on ministry. You know what he was doing those years? Listening to people. Getting his hands dirty, literally, as a carpenter. Knowing people. Being in relationship with people. It's really sexy. It's really flashy to go and serve and go do mission. But you know what takes guts? courage to stay. Everybody wants to go. Not everybody wants to stay. And, and we sensed that the city was wondering that about the big suburban church from the West. What are they going to do now when church planting does not give them the notoriety that they're maybe looking for? So what kind of a church are we going to be? One that just goes or are we going to be a church that stays? And so we decided to launch into this campaign, not to build a building so that, oh, well, look, we can have a big, now we're a real church. Nah, eh, we were. But to move the mission forward. And so in 2013, we started this campaign to, to purchase this random car dealership that we'd found on Ingersoll and to, to build this out and, and, and to do the renovations as well. And we called it Building Hope Together. And it was kind of based on this verse that happens to be up in the banner that's up in our front area here today. We put it up on the screen. Let's read this together from Ephesians 4. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. So you get this picture over and over again of one, 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 one. In the body of the Christ, there's unity. It's all about one. It's not about Lutheran Church of Hope. It's about one faith, one hope, one 
baptism, one body of Christ, where you plug in and you have a, a bigger picture that you can be a part of and find belonging and purpose. And two months later during that campaign, about four years ago to this month, with a congregation about probably a fourth of the size that we are today with our services, just incredible, incredible. People uh, gave up front or made the pledge to give over $830,000. That was an incredible day, and a lot of you were in part of that. But it wasn't just the money. I don't want you to miss that. Just as important, maybe if not more important than that, you gave your time and your talents, not just your treasure, but your time and your talents. And there was about between four to six months where rain or shine or snow or sleet or whatever the weather was, there was hundreds of you down here volunteering every Saturday morning for those months, literally on your hands and your knees, helping build this building, taking ownership of it again, saying, this is ours. We're not just going to have it handed to us. We're going to build this. And just as God is transforming our lives, we're going to transform this Space And I was thinking about that, of the power of ownership when it comes to being a part of the body of Christ. It's funny how God just gives you these little illustrations and these little ideas. As a lot of you are raking your lawns these days, or maybe you have one of those cool like blower things and you just blow it in somebody else's yard. Um, that's a good idea. I should do that, actually. Um, Caleb and I, our four-year-old, were out raking, and, you know, he's usually good for about 10 or 15 minutes of, like, real actual work before he quits. Well, this time, he was, like, five minutes into it, and we're raking a big pile so he can jump into it. About four and a half, five minutes into it, he just puts his, his like, little rake that's about this big uh, down. He just says, oh, so dramatic. I don't know where he gets that. Um, and, and he says, Daddy, I just, I can't do it anymore. I'm so tired, he said. And I go, oh, man, sorry, buddy. And his vocabulary is just exploding. He's a part of our preschool here. He's got all these new words and phrases. And I'm like, where did that come from? And from a four-year-old, mind you, a four-year-old, he says, Daddy, I got a deal for you. <laughs> Who says that when they're four, right? Let's make a deal. And he says, I got a deal for you. I said, what's that? He said, how about, how about you, you rake all the leaves up into the big, the big pile and you do all the work and I'll sit over here on the steps and I'll watch and then when you're done, I'll run and jump in it. <laughs> and the like disciplinarian father slash landlord of this child is, wants to respond, I've got a deal for you, bucko. How about you rake all the leaves and that'll be your rent payment for the next 18 years, Right? <laughs> No, I didn't say that. But what just popped out of my mouth was, hey, you know what, bud? I've got a deal for you. How about you and I do the work together? And then when we're done, it'll be that much more fun when we both get to play in it and enjoy it together because we did it together. And he's like, dad, you should use that as a sermon illustration. And I go, I know. No, he didn't say that. <laughs> but... But I was like, that's it. That's it. And I, I, don't you guys see, see the, the analogy there? And for so many of you that had a hand in what God has done here the last nine years, and specifically with this building, isn't it so much more rewarding and satisfying for you to walk into worship every single week and go, I drilled that board to that wall. I laid that tile. I buffed that floor. I painted that wall. I grinded that brick. I, whatever it was. It's so much more satisfying than just coming in and having something handed to you. That's not what makes life worth it. It's what you put into it ultimately is what you get out of it and, and to experience that joy. We're standing on the shoulders of people that have come before us. Not a lot of you know this, but during that campaign, we had all of you write these prayer requests 
of what your, what your prayers were for this space and what God would do here. And we told you that we would drop them in the drywall somewhere where we did the remodel of this building. We were getting towards the end, and I was meeting with Rick, our, our general contractor at the time. And it was, oh, we forgot. And we had like one wall that we hadn't filled in and capped off yet. And it happened to be that section of that wall that's right above the doors that you walk in and out of every single week. That's our children's ministry, by the way, having fun. Um, right under there. And so we said, this is perfect. And so we dumped about 200 prayer requests that literally are there in that wall that cover you. Those are the prayers of people before this church even launched, and those are the prayers of people that were here that don't even know you that are sitting here today that were praying for you and what God would do in your hearts as you walk into this building. It's no accident you're here. We've been praying for you, for you and above you, every single week. There's a sense of ownership. And so on December 7th, in 2014, we moved in here and we were home for Christmas. And it was an incredible transformation. As you can see what God does, that's pictures from Easter uh, last year. Not the big the, uh, pickup truck one. The other one uh, is from Easter last year. And you can see what God does. And I love these times. I love Christmas. I love Easter. I love vacation Bible school. I love our giving campaigns because it's not really about money. It's about us. It's not about you as a single puzzle piece. It's about us and what God can do through us together that we really need each other. And so about a month after we moved in, I remember one of our leaders came up and they asked me, John, what's your biggest fear? You know, now that we're in a permanent building and people can just walk in and sit in their spot and you do have spots. You do know that. Like you think you're not a part of a traditional church. How many of you are sitting in the same spot that you sat at last Sunday, right? Thanks for mixing it up a little bit, right? You have spots and we come in here and I said, you know what my biggest fear is? is that we would get comfortable, that we would forget who we are. Because back in the day, you knew you were needed. But now you can just kind of come in and it's easy to just kind of consume and go on your way. And I, my biggest fear is that we would think that somehow we've arrived now. Well, I'm comfortable. I found my church home, so it doesn't really matter about all the people out there. But about five seconds later, I honestly thought, I'm not really worried about it at all. Because I know who you are as a church. I know who you are, and I know what you're about, and that's not who God is and what he's done through you. And if anything, you've done the opposite of that. We haven't slowed down at all, and that's why I just want to give you a snapshot of that this morning. Grab that flyer that's on your chair, maybe next to you, or maybe you're sitting on it, uh, but that flyer that looks a little bit something like this. This says, Building Hope Together at the top. Our communications team did a great job with that, just to give you a snapshot of, of where we're at since we've moved into this building just the last three years, and then just the last year. I just want to, I just say this to you, not to say, whoa, look at us. I say this this morning to say, whoa, look at God. Look at what God is capable of. And so we look at that together in just the last three years. We, you as a congregation have paid off $1.3 million of our debt. That's well over halfway there. Can we give God some praise for that? That's awesome. <laughs> praise God. That's going to be awesome. You know, some of you have school loans and school debt. I do too. Like, wouldn't it be great to just be done with it? Like, that would be awesome, right? Same thing for us here. We've seen worship attendance grow by 47%. We, over 50%. I told you already this morning, we're just flat out, out of room. There's no other way to say that. So thank you for coming to the right service and spreading out a little bit and continue to invite your friends. You see that in the last past year 
alone. We've given more than 50,000 packaged meals to people that are hungry all over the world, 200 backpacks of school supplies, 100 Christmas gifts, served more than 40 students, more beyond that in, in WizKids every single week, over 140 breakfast club uh, members every single week, close to 60 kids in our preschool that meets Monday through Thursday. Uh, all of the discipleship that's taking place in all of those different ways. We moved into the building, we had five people on our staff, and we have 14 now. So they're literally like sharing chairs up there and sitting on top of each other up in the office. And I hear me say this, all of those things, we simply say, praise God. You will never hear us complain about that and say, oh, geez, now there's nowhere people to sit. And I pray that that would be your heart as well. I talked to some people that literally sat in the nook, like in the coffee area this morning, and I just looked at them after the service, and I said, "I'm guys, I'm sorry that that was maybe not the most ideal experience, and they just kind of looked back at me this morning after the last service, and they said, it doesn't matter. It's about the mission. That's who you are, and that's what I love about you as a church. It's not about your personal convenience. It's about being a part of something that's bigger than you. And they're like, I'm so glad that I sat, sat in the coffee bar by the women's bathroom so that somebody that was new could sit right here. Because that's what it's about. And so we say, praise God for those things and the, the ownership that you've taken of that and the mission that's taken place. And you can hear it from me all day long. You can read about it on a flyer or you can hear it from some people that are literally sitting next to you today. And so take a look at this first video that tells a little bit about what God has done through this building and some of the men and women in our community that have been impacted here. Let's take a look. When I first walked into the doors at Hope Des Moines, I didn't know what to expect at all. And I guess I thought, wow, this is really contemporary. I can kind of tell it was probably a car dealership. Um, but I was first just really struck with this worship space itself and the intimacy of it. I think at Hope Des Moines, when I walk in the building, I, I think I feel like I'm doing God's missions. When I'm here, I feel like I'm in the trenches actually doing legwork. As I remember the first time we had a prayer class, we met in my living room. There's about seven people. And I remember thinking, well, this is really cool. Take the church outside the building. But then the next prayer class ended up being probably over 30 people. And just being able to have a space where people knew Central, it was comfortable coming into a building that was familiar. Yeah, the impact um, that I think this building's had, it's a home for a lot of people, a place to, um, to worship and to be a part of a community. I think the difference of having a building particularly right here in the heart of the city. For me, it's about the difference of renting a home versus owning a home. I think there's a certain pride that comes with having a foothold in the community. Uh, people recognize the church, they know who we are, and I think it provides an opportunity for us to actually build a house to be hospitable to our neighbors in the community. We as people just crave to be connected. We crave to be plugged into a community and to, to actually be part of something. Finding that home in the church and being a part of some of the, the communities and giving my talents there, it's helped me grow. Well, I think it's amazing to see a place like Hope Des Moines be used, not just on Sundays or Saturdays for worship, but evenings for classes, support groups, uh, pre-K, uh, preschool opportunities, teen groups, children's groups, whiz kids. You know, we're feeding folks out of here. It's, it's become a hub, if you will, of our programming. It's very clear, as we've talked about before, the building didn't make 
the church, but this space has definitely moved that mission forward. And I think, what if we wouldn't have taken that step of faith? You know, Just look around here. Those of you that are here maybe just on the weekends and you're not here every day seeing what's going on, I just look around me sometimes and I just stop. And I just take a deep breath and I go, man, I'm just trying to breathe it all in. And just, and just take it all in. And I hope people, I hope that you realize that of what God is doing here that has nothing to do with Lutheran Church of Hope. And it has everything to do with his goodness and his faithfulness. And so it'd be so easy if they're reading all of this to say, oh, we're just going to stop there. Like God's doing this amazing thing. I'm here. I'm comfortable. But that's not the kind of God that we serve. As Jed said at the beginning of the service, we can look at the past and kind of the glory days of where we've been. Or maybe some of you had a really good experience in the past or of a mission trip or a Christian concert or a church that you were part of. Like Nothing's going to top that. Well, then you don't know the God that we sing to and pray to because there's always something new that he's doing. And if it's been this good so far, I can't imagine what the future is going to be, be, look like. So I think that we're just getting started. Turn to your neighbor right now and say, we're just getting started. Just tell him that right now. I think we're just getting started. So why do this? Why, why highlight this? Why have this whole campaign? Why, why would you take the risk, Pastor John, of talking about money? Because everybody loves to talk about money in the church. <clears throat> right? Why are we doing this? For two main reasons. Ready for this? Number one, we're on a mission for God. Not just quoting the Blues Brothers, but we're literally on a mission from God. You know what I'm saying? We're on a mission from God. This is his church. It's not ours. A lot of people say, isn't hope big enough already? There's not a lot of seats open. Why should I keep inviting people? Isn't hope big enough already? And my answer to that is, big enough for who? For you and your, your, your personal ideal size of a church that you want a church to be? Are you on board with our size? Are you on board with God's mission? That's the big question, because we might sing different songs, and we might worship in different places, and sit in a different spot, and sing different songs, and do different ministries. Are you on board with the mission, or are you on board with a small church that happens to be growing? Don't, don't fall in love with the size. Fall in love with the God behind the mission, and you'll always be satisfied. Paul says it this way in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Let's read it together up on the screen. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. And so we stay faithful, and we plant seeds, and we start ministries, and we lead, and we serve, and we give it everything we've got, and we leave the results up to God. It's not for us to decide. It's his church. It's not ours. And so as a church, every day we get on our knees and say, God, not, not to us, but to your name be the glory. This is about you. It's not about us. And every day we surrender this church back to you. God's the one that decides what this is going to look like. But we're on a mission from God, and the truth is that there are still tens and thousands of people in the greater Des Moines metro area that don't have a church home or that don't know Jesus. And until that's no longer the case, our mission is not done. Amen? That's why we exist. That's why we're here. And so my challenge to you is to get on board with that mission. If that's at the forefront of your mind, I promise you, you'll always be satisfied. Because we get filled up not by saying what's in it for me. We get filled up by saying, what can I bring? What part of the puzzle can I play? So number one, we're on a mission from God. And number two, we're growing. And we're growing deep and wide. And hear me say this, it's not just about numbers, but numbers represents people. And people represent hearts that we want to get connected to Jesus. That's what it's about. You keep inviting. You keep inviting people. And it's really easy to, to say that. And I talk about, you know, spilling out in the lobby for worship. Those of you that were here at the 11 o'clock service last week, uh, you know that as well. Some of the challenges that we're facing for weekend worship and our Saturday night service that didn't exist about a year and a half ago as we continue to grow. But it's during the week 
as well. You heard Molly talk a little bit in the video about prayer classes that we've done. We started one about a month ago, and most of our classrooms were built for 10 or 15 people comfortably. That one was over 30. And so they were spilling out into the hallway, and there's literally just no other space that they can meet in our building. We're so thankful for it, but there's no other space. So now they're in two different rooms, and it's our uh, breakfast club ministry that's doubled in size. I was looking at our annual report from about three years ago, and it said our breakfast club ministry now serves 50 people here in the, in the Hubble cafeteria. And the last couple of weeks, we've served 150 people up there that don't have a home or folks that are, that are low income. We've served as our brothers and sisters, not as our guests, not as people that come for handouts, but as brothers and sisters in Christ in a space that's meant for about 75 people. We're serving over 150. So I don't know another way to say it. We're out of space, and that is a really, really good problem to have. Our preschool director at Hope tells me if you had more room, we'd fill it, right? So it's kind of this dual field of dreams mentality here. Of if you build it, they will come. Yep, that happened, and now they're coming, so we need to build it uh, more. And that's the sense of urgency around this campaign. And so they're coming, so let's make more room. And for the last year, I'm kind of excited to share this uh, with you today, and I'll have more details for you in the coming week. But our senior leadership of Hope and myself and several of our leaders here have been talking about what does that look like? What does it look like for us to be faithful to that next step? And so for the last year, we've been brainstorming what does it look like for us to purchase additional facility or property or to do renovations here, to do an addition uh, to the building, uh, whatever that is. Um, and so we're going to have some details. This is like hot off the presses and my little incentive for you to come back the next two weeks because uh, when I know more, I'll tell you more and be 100% transparent with you about that. But we're going to do something really soon. And in order to do that, we have this existing debt that we have. But before we go into that, before I jump into the numbers game here, which some of you just dread, um, I do too. And if you would have asked me four years ago when we started this campaign, I was like going kicking and screaming into having to preach about money, especially at church, in a newer church that we were kind of trying to set the tone for, especially in a church where we're trying to reach people that don't like church and have been burned by a bad experience. Because we talk to people, the people that we really want to reach, not just steal people from other churches and like shuffle the sheep. Okay, that's not our vision. The people that we're really trying to reach, the two main things that push them away is they tried to be a part of a church and they got judged, or all that church ever did was talk about money. And so here I go, I'm going to be one more preacher standing up talking about money, and the last place that people need to feel more guilt or pressure is in the church. And I just want to remind you as we start with this vision, there's not going to be anybody hounding you or twisting your arm or, or knocking down your door saying, where were you and you need to give more. I don't even have time for that. Nobody's got time for that because that's not God's heart. Because it's really about the vision. It's about what God is doing. It's about his heart for the city. And I'll, I'll just be flat out honest with you. Before we go into all that, I just looked at our staff last week and this incredible last couple months that we've had, and I just told them, you guys, look around you. I, I am more than willing to stand up and talk about money all day long if it goes to support the lives that God is changing around here. This isn't about money this isn't about buildings. This isn't about budgets. I looked at our staff and you said, guys, these are the days. These are the days that we're going to look back on 50 years from now going, remember when we first moved into that building and we had to set up chairs every week and you were sitting outside the bathrooms and the, and the coffee bar? And remember those days? Those were so good. It's like God, as we've talked as pastors and staff, it's like God is sending this new wave of his Holy Spirit 
into this city and we get to be a part of that. It's all about him. And so our job as the church is just to ride that wave. And so if anything, I just want to say, surf's up, folks. This isn't about money at all. This is about surf's up, ride the wave. Get your, get your board and let's go surfing because God's doing something incredible and he just invites you to be a part of that. And so with all of that in mind, as you look at the bottom of your flyer there, you can see we're not there yet. We're about 57% of the way there. That's awesome, but we have a long ways to go. And you see the impact of that. If you flip your flyer over, you see the impact of what it would look like if we could knock down that debt now. And I get it. I'm just going to be totally honest with you. This is not flashy. This is not like I can stand up here and say, you guys, I got this awesome thing. We're going to pay down a debt. Right? Oh, that's better response than I thought, right? I get it. But what I want you to see is the mission behind that. It's not about paying down the debt. It's about the impact that that can have. Consider everything that you give towards this as a down payment for whatever God's going to do next, and we're going to do it soon. It's forced growth by God as we look around us. And so at the beginning of this campaign, we sat down as leaders and said, we want to address this debt in a, fin in a fiscally responsible way. We don't want to take on more than we can handle. We don't want to saddle you with a bunch of debt. We could have bought a building four times this size. We had the option to. Somebody handed me the paper and said, here, do you want to buy a 75,000 square foot building? And I said, no, because I want it to be forced growth by God. I want it to be him doing it so that it's so evident that if we were ever to expand and grow, it's all him. It's not us jumping the gun and getting 25 steps ahead of God. It's him saying, let's go. Like, I'm blessing you. Like, be blessed to be a blessing. That's the point. And so that's why we're doing this. And so we want to do that. Like I said, those of you that have loans or mortgages on your house or school payments, wouldn't it be nice to just be done with that? We want to be done with this so we can knock it down so that when the time comes to expand or renovate or build or whatever we're going to do in the very near future, any, any Dave Ramsey FPU fans out there? We've taken a lot of that, right? I want an envelope that says future church, and I just want to buy the thing straight up or whatever it is that we do that needs those payments, just pay in cash. Let's just do it. Let's just be done with it, and we don't have to carry that burden with us. And so uh, I knew that money's kind of a heavy topic, so I thought we'd kind of lighten the mood and share with you some, these are real-life slogans that our leadership team has come up with for the campaign, just to really get you fired up, no guilt, no pressure. So here's some slogans that we've come up with. Ready? Here's our first one. Fork over the cash. <laughs> no, that didn't get the, the fire that I, okay, this one will really get you fired up. Here you go. Ready for this slogan? Show me the money, right? No? Any Jerry Maguire fans out there, right? Doesn't that just fire you up? No, no, that's not. That's, we're just kidding. That's not the invitation, but here is the invitation. Look at your sheet. There's four ways to connect, and it's this. It's to learn, it's to serve, it's to pray, and it's to give. And every single one of us, whether this is your first time here, whether you're young or old or whatever season of life you're in, this is for all of us. This is your piece of the puzzle to play. So number one, to learn more about this campaign, grab one of these folders that's in the back, this has got an extended Q&A in it about how we handle finances, 100% transparent. You can look at our books anytime and ask any questions that you have to know exactly uh, where your finances are going and how they're used and what the campaign is all about. There's a prayer guide in there. There's a Bible-based giving guide that we're going to talk more about next week uh, as well as we talk about our finances. We're going to have an inf informational meeting right after the service today that we encourage you to come up and you can ask any question 
that you have about the campaign, not like life and love and all those things, just the campaign, uh, right now. And here's my challenge to you. Some of you have never put together faith and finances. Some of you have just said, I don't want to go there. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want God in my checkbook. Well, let me tell you, he's already there because it's all his anyway. And I want to challenge you to see tithing and giving beyond that and being a generous person as a spiritual discipline, which the Bible says it is, as God talks about it in the Old Testament. Jesus reaffirms it and lifts it up in the New Testament in the Gospels. And I want you to see it as a spiritual discipline, just as you would prayer or worship or any of those coming to worship, any of those things, reading your Bible, tithing is one of those things. And I dare you and I challenge you to experience the joy and freedom that comes with learning to be a generous person. And like I said, it's not just your finances, because I know that some of you can't give. And that's the second part of this is to serve. For some of you, you're not at a place where you can do that. And I get that. And so there's going to be no arm twisting or guilt and pressure One thing we all have the same amount of is time. And you have talents. That the reason this building exists is because some of you didn't give financially. You gave of your time and talents. And so when we do that uh, offering on the 18th and 19th, every single one of you in these folders back there is this commitment card to continue your current commitment, to give above and beyond that, to start a new commitment for a year, or you can actually write on there, this is my time and talent. What if today you went back or on your bulletin and you said, you know what? It's time for me to stop consuming and it's time for me to play my piece of the puzzle. And during these next three weeks, I want to challenge you to pray about how is God calling you to serve. And number three, pray. You want to know what our our slogan is for the campaign? Actually, it's, it's this. Pray about it. So many people have come up and said, John, how much do you need? Like, what's the bottom line for the campaign? And I say, pray about it. It's not between you and me. It's between you and God only, not you and any other person. And I will nev- have never and will never know what you give. That's not the point. God does. This isn't about how much... Being generous isn't about how much you have. It's about the condition of your heart. Are you a generous person with your time and your talent and your treasure? So pray about it. Ask God. Join us in that. As a staff, we're doing this thing called Two at Two that I used to do at a Bible camp that I worked at, and I liked it so much. So every day at 2 o'clock, starting today or tomorrow, whatever you want to do, we're going to stop, and we're going to, whatever we're doing, and we're going to pray for two minutes. And now, you know, if you really want to shoot for the moon, you can do five at five, or if you really love Jesus, I guess you could do 12 at 12, if that's your thing, right? But some of us are just learning prayer, so we're doing two at two. So we ask you to join us in that and say, God, what do you want to do through me for your kingdom through this campaign? And then last but not least, give. Give generously and from the heart. Discover the joy and the freedom that comes with that. And so join us on that commitment weekend. Let's Pack the place out for November 18th and 19th to celebrate what God is doing. If you're going to be out of town, you can give in the back uh, at the Welcome Center. You can mail it to the church. You can drop it off. Or a lot of you like to do your stuff automated online. And for that, we have the uh, Building Hope Together website here. You can watch some videos. We'll post these videos on there. And right down there in the bottom right, you can give online. You can make a commitment. And you can designate things. My wife and I have a little thing where we designate it. We set it and we forget about it. And then God just does his thing with it. And we just trust him with that. And we put in for our general fund and then for our giving campaign above and beyond that. And if some of you want to do that, you can designate it online as well. But again, I just want to stop there. And I said, say, please don't get lost in the details. I want to challenge you to open up your heart. This campaign isn't about how much money we raise. It's about what God wants to do in and through you, in and through us 
as a church. And so we're going to revisit these hope stories one last time. And what I want you to listen to is that regardless of what season of life people are in, is the changed hearts when it comes to generosity. Let's take a look. It's, to me, important to give to the church that I go to because God has given me so much. I know by being here, I'm a part of something bigger. So it's easy to do. It's easy to give to Hope No More just because I believe in our mission here. I could never outgive what God gave. It was something that he challenged me not only to look at my budget and rearrange it so I was giving to the community that gave so much to me personally, but it was also something that he challenged me, like, how are you serving to be a part of something, to pour back into those people that were encouraging me, that were challenging me? If you're on the fence about giving, I would say look around you, look at what happens, look at the lives that are impacted and touched. Um, the hospitality that we provide in, inside our doors and when we go out in the community and work with the church. And I would say think about if you've been here 10 years, one month, it doesn't matter. How can you plug in to the activities? How can you make a difference? To dream and think about the possibilities. I remember sitting in Hubble and, and some of the things we dreamt back then are now a reality. So let's keep dreaming and, and following what God's vision is for this congregation and let's see what the next five, 10 years brings. I love what Shelly said there, let's keep dreaming. Let's keep asking God what's next. And what I love about those videos is that there are people in every different season of life, and you're going to hear some more uh, from other folks the next two weeks as well. They're from all these different seasons of life, and, and it just clearly communicates, this is for you. This is for you. To look at that picture frame and say, God, where, where am I called to be? That it's not just for me to float out here and say, well, that's for the people that are really a part of this church. <laughs> you are a part of this way more than you know. It's the hearts that you see, that you heard in the video of people that is not about guilt or pressure at all. You know what's changed them? You know why they're so generous? Love. In nine years of leading this church, I've seen a lot of bad examples, not here, but elsewhere a ways that we try to coerce people and guilt people and pressure people into things. You know what the greatest motivator is? Not just for giving financially, but serving, being a part of a group, the greatest motivator in relationships and marriage, it's love. It's love. When you're loved well, anything's possible. That brings us back to our reading today that you heard from Colossians chapter 3. Over all these virtues, over everything that we can do, we can raise all the money in the world and build the biggest church building, but if this church is not known for love, we've missed the mark. If we don't love each other well, we've missed the mark. Over all these virtues, put on love. That's God's ultimate desire for us. I remember... About a month before I started here, back in, in late 2007, I was talking with a mentor and I said, hey, I got this new thing. I'm going to be a church planter, I guess, in Des Moines. And I said, can you, can you give me some like really good advice? Because I've never done this before and I don't really know what I'm doing and I feel a little 
uh, ill-equipped for this. So what's your, what's your one piece of advice that you would give me? And I was looking for some like, you know, church growth model or here's how to have a really awesome worship band, which we do, praise God. Or here's how to have, you know, really, yeah, you can clap for them, absolutely. You know, you gotta have all these things going on at your church and here, awesome children's ministry and everything like that. And what he said to me, he said, this will be the easiest thing for you to remember, but the hardest thing for you to remember as you go forward, especially as the church grows and people tend to get a little comfortable. Ask God to break your heart for the people that you are called to reach. Let love always be your motivator. And if you ever cease to have love as your primary motivation, stop it. (laughs) Take a step back and do a gut check and say, what are we doing here as a church? What's the point of all this? It's love, not just for each other, but for the people outside these walls that will never step inside this building. Are we known as the church that loves, not just with good vibes or positive thoughts, but with the only thing that can change people's lives, and that is the love of Jesus Christ. That's the only thing that can change people. That's why we're doing the campaign. That's why we built this building. That's why we do this every single week. That's why we exist as a church, because God is resurrecting people's lives, literally. The gospel is not to make bad people good. The gospel is to take people that were dead and make them come alive. Amen? That's why we exist. That's what we're going to sing about today. That's why we exist as a church. Ray asked in Star Wars, I need somebody to find my, help me find my place in all this. Well, you found it. Because of what Jesus has done, the local church is the hope of the world. And you get to be a part of that, a mission and a vision that's going to last forever. You can't take all those other things with you, but you can make an impact for eternity. And that's what we want to invite you to be a part of this, to play your part, to find your piece of the puzzle, and to love this city around us with the life-transforming love of Jesus Christ. That's why we do what we do. Amen? And so as we do that, I invite you to stand as we prepare our hearts for communion.